0: Hey, this is Mitch Rose. I'm the lead pastor of City Hills Church, and this is our podcast. Thanks for tuning in today. I hope this message encourages you. It inspires you. It challenges you to live your best life. Take a listen. Here's this week's message. Good morning, City Hills. How are you? Hey, stay standing if you would. Anyone thankful to be in the house of God on a Sunday morning? No place like it, right? No place like it. I'm so excited, honored. Uh, to be with you this morning. I've been tracking you uh, for the last few years. I think when you are, so it's like stalking on social media. You know, stalking is when I'm looking and you don't know I'm looking. You know, I've, I've been watching this church and watching what God is doing, the story that is unfolding here. I'm so excited to see what you've built here. But This is an incredible facility, right? Just, just so good to see the church moving forward and it's my honor to get to make a deposit into that today. How many of you are thankful for your pastors? Pastors Mitch and Brandy Rose. Thankful that God has planted you under their leadership. And you know, it's not easy to lead. It's certainly not easy right now to lead. When you step out to lead, you certainly don't step out to win a popularity contest or something. You step out to be obedient to Christ. And when I see these two, I see two that are just so convicted about um, what God wants to do in this city, you know, what God wants to do in your lives. They bleed for you. They pray for you. They lead you. They love you. And so I just wanted to remind you today, in case you showed up with amnesia, that you're so blessed to have the pastors that you have. They've been faithful. They've stood well. They've served faithfully. They've led faithfully. And I just believe... Pastor Mitch and Brandy, through your, through your faithfulness, through your steadfastness, through your your, your sacrifice, your obedience, um, I just believe great days are ahead, and I believe that uh, the church is in a moment right now, and um, we really have an opportunity to do something significant in this city, so thank you for how you lead and how you've shepherded us these last few years, and Jesus, we love you today, I thank you for your church. I thank you that you love your church. I thank you that you're with your church. Father, my story, my observation these last three years, Jesus, is you have sustained your church. You are building your church. The gates of hell cannot, will not prevail against God's advancing church. We are here today, Father, because we are on mission. We are, we are a saved people, a free people, a whole people, Father, brought out of darkness and into light and Yet I prayed today, Father, that over the next few minutes, I pray that you'd call us further. I believe, Father, you have a word for us today to stir up the gift on the inside of us, to stir up the call of God on the inside of us today. I believe that's what you want to do. And so across this room right now, we just give you permission. Come on, join me in this, if you would. We just give you permission. We give you space today, Jesus, to come and speak, to come and move, to come and convict to come and change, to come and correct. Just come, we, your word is a better word over our lives. Your word is the final word over our lives today. And we just say, we love you with all of our heart. I pray, Father, now I would get out of the way and you would have your way today. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, and all God's people said, amen. And amen, all right, you can take your seats. Say hi to someone you didn't come to church with this morning. If you see someone you'd rather sit by, now's your chance. Well, hey, it's so good to be here at City Hills Church. Uh, As Pastor Mitch said, I've grown up in the same church my whole life. So 41 of my 42 years, changes every year. I got to get the numbers straight. 41 of my 42 years on planet Earth have found me in one church under one pastor, under one vision. And somewhere along the way, I just got convicted about the idea of the church. The local church is the greatest thing happening on planet earth today. The church is God's plan A and there is no plan B. Sorry, one second. And I'm just convicted that Jesus is building his church and doing something special in his church in this hour. So we just signed up years ago to do whatever it takes to see the church move forward on our watch and That has meant a number of things over the years. Most recently, about the last 11 years, my family, we spend our life on the road equipping local churches everywhere uh, through uh, various ministries and such. But the bottom line is we're church builders. So receive me today, uh, first of all, as a church builder. I did not come to impress you. I came to build today. Uh, I figure some ministries have the anointing of the entree, you know, it's, it's chicken, it's steak, it'll fill you up, it'll nourish you. Some ministries have the anointing of the dessert, I wish I had that one, it's, it's a sugar high, it tastes good, you know, if you come from certain Pentecostal backgrounds, you'll do a, a lap around the auditorium or something, you know, it's really... Good. Uh, I don't know if this disappoints you or not. I come with the ministry of vegetables today. Uh, I did not come to be your favorite part of the meal. Uh, Pastor Mitch will be back next week. It'll be all good. But I did come to build today. I did come to help. And I believe that uh, there's some truth in the word of God uh, for us today. Uh, I've been married for 18 years to my beautiful wife, Lindsay. Uh, She wishes she could be here today. She is very mad uh, that she is not on this trip. I'm here for about seven days in Texas doing... Uh, about four stops, and uh, so she wishes she could be here. She says, hello. Uh, we have an 11-year-old girl and a one-year-old girl because we don't know how to plan. And our girls are two weeks shy of a decade apart. I'm going to be 58 years old at high school graduation, y'all. Would you just <laughs> just thank God for that one today? And um, I know I know we're right on the end of the prayer and fasting, but if you need, like, a final you know, point to pray for this month. Would you just sign us up? Cause we got a preteen girl. Does anybody know what that means? So we, so parents of teenagers, you would know we just hit the point about three weeks ago. We just went, hit the, where did your mind go state? Anyone remember that stage? Like, like who hijacked my kid state? Anyways, I, I just need therapy. I need help. Um, Okay, uh, we're going to be in Ephesians chapter 2, and we're going to be in 1 Corinthians chapter 4 today. I have a confession to make to you. I am a shame survivor. (laughs) I am someone who God has done a radical work in over the years. Uh, I thought I would just start with a story today um, because I've grown up in church, I've grown up in ministry. About six years ago, I found myself in a season that I didn't expect. I found myself in a season where ministry was good, life was good, but I was not good. I found myself in a season where although the things around me were going well, uh, and ministry was really exactly what we had prayed for, and believed God for, um, I was not good. I was wrapped up in anxiety, and fear, and, and shame. It uh, took me a few hours of counseling to get language around that one. Um, but I was just in a season wh- where I wasn't doing well. And it, it was, you know, whenever I wasn't working and doing what I was supposed to be doing, I was anxious. I had experienced some relational trauma. I had experienced um, just, just a number of things in a very short amount of time. And looking back now and seeing the trajectory of that season, I see the kindness of God. I see the goodness of God. Where God brought me to a place where he decided before you're going to go further, we, we need to deal with some things in you. How many of you know that's the work that God does? I've heard it said, never despise the things that drive you to your knees because they bring you closer to the Lord. So six years ago, I went through that season. I, I, I became aware that my life was driven by shame, that my life was driven by, by a, a, a story I had told myself. My life was driven by things that were not found in the, the word of God. And in that season, in his kindness, God arrested my heart and God got a hold of me, and through a series of providential events, he brought me to a place of freedom, and he brought me to a place of healing. He brought me to a place where, where the, that, that voice was eradicated in my life, and his word became the final word over my life, and so I'm just happy to say that today I am a different person than the person who would have stood up here six years ago six years ago my going thought coming out of this uh, out here today would have been I wonder what they think of me you know I wonder how good I'm doing I would have based my sermon on how well you say amen you know and I'm just proud to say like that day is done and and I'm a Testament to the work that God can do. Our God is good. Our God is faithful. Our God is kind, and He is able to restore and He is able to heal. And I just wanted to say that because I know we're in a season uh, called, and we've been in a series called "Breaking Free." Anyone enjoyed this this series? We we've been in a series where we're talking about freedom, and I really believe that this is the greatest testimony of the church. The greatest testimony of the church is when God's people take hold of their identity in Christ and experience true freedom that can only be found in Jesus. How many of you know our world is making all kinds of truth claims right now? Our world is grasping for truth. Truth is under question right now. Ultimately, our world is looking for Jesus. They just don't know it. And our world will continue to come up empty for answers until they find Jesus and the gospel. The gospel will be the only answer for racism at the end of the day. The gospel will be the only answer for poverty. The gospel will be the only answer for sickness and disease. I mean, at the end of the day, Jesus is what our world is looking for. They just don't know it. And how many of you would agree that while one remains in this city that doesn't know Jesus, we have work to do. Amen? We have, we have a job to do as a church. Well, here's why I told you that story. What was so interesting to me was, and I, I can tell you the days, I can tell you when it happened where I just had experiences where God set me free, and he, he moved me forward, and he gave me um, a new path forward. Well, what was really interesting to me is simultaneously to that, and I'm talking in that same week, and that same time was the time where I got a vision for a ministry that we would end up founding about a year later, ministry called Leading Second. It's, it's, it's our baby. It's the thing we feel like we're supposed to do for the church, for the kingdom of God in our lifetime. <clears throat> and I tell you that because it was such an odd experience. It was such an odd experience. You know, it's like God brought me out of this place of bondage into a place of freedom, but the work didn't stop there. It's like immediately, once I found my way to that place, he said, okay, now all of that was for this reason. I didn't save you just for you. I didn't set you free just for you. Now I've got a job for you to do. Now I've got something, I've got an assignment on your life. I've got a calling on my life that you couldn't step into before, but now you're ready for now. And I wanted to show you this today in Ephesians chapter 2. Why have we been talking about breaking free? Why have we been talking about your freedom? Yes, I... I want to see you free and whole more than anything. I want to see the bondage that's on your life, the shackles that are on your life fall off under the authority of the name of Jesus. I want to see you run free and walk whole. And I believe there's no greater testimony of the church than that. But I also believe that's not where the work stops. That all of that is prelude the story that God wants to write through your life. Let me show you this today in Ephesians chapter 2 and in verse 1. <clears throat> Ephesians, by the way, is, is the apostle Paul's writing to the church at Ephesus. The church in Ephesus was a significant church, uh, maybe may one of the most notable of the early churches. Uh, the church in Ephesus was it numbered in the thousands, if not the tens of thousands at times, uh, it was founded by Paul. It was pastored by, by some of the names you know in Scripture. It's even believed that it was uh, quite possibly the, the home church of Jesus' mom, Mary. Uh, side note, can you imagine uh, you're in Christmas Eve service and Jesus' actual mom is in the room? Can you just imagine? Like, you're the pastor and you have to give the sermon about Jesus' birth and she's sitting right on the front row. Like, can you even, like like, you're looking like... Am I getting it right? You know, you know like, can, can you even imagine the, that that was the kind of church Ephesus was. It's mentioned in the book of Revelation. I mean, it's just a significant church. And I love the book of Ephesians. The book of Ephesians uh, has a marked difference from some of the other epistles in that it's a picture of the church. Paul gives language and metaphor he shows us pictures of the church that really only show up in jesus teaching in in the book of revelation i mean he just he paints for us the church is christ's body and the church is the bride of christ it's his temple it's a beautiful beautiful book all about the church the church moving forward how many of you want to see city hills church move forward you want to you want to see this expression of the church move forward on our watch i do too So let's look at Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 1. He says this, As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins, in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were By nature, deserving of wrath. We were by nature deserving of wrath, but because of his great love for us, God who is rich in mercy made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions it is by grace you have been saved come on city hills this is the testimony of the church we are not perfect people we are saved people we are not you know we are not good on our own we are good because of what the finished work of Jesus on the cross amen we are think we used to be dead but now we're alive in Christ the whole purpose of the gospel it's not just behavior modification. It's heart transformation. We are not bad people who have become good. We are dead people who have come alive in Christ. Amen. That is the testimony of God's people. But what I wanted to show you today is that it doesn't stop there. Let's go to verse 8 now. For it is by grace that you have been saved through faith. This is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God. Ooh, that one hits me. This is not from yourselves. We didn't do this. It is the gift of God on your life. Not by works so that no one can boast. For we, here's my key verse, we are God's handiwork or his creation. Created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. This is the whole story. So while our journey into freedom was the prelude, this is now the main act. That we were saved and we were brought out of darkness into the light. But guess what, City Hills, it wasn't for us. It was actually for others. It was actually so that the story of the gospel and the movement of the church could continue. It's like you've been, you've been saved and you've been set free. But at some point, that whole thing turns around in you where you realize this was never about me. This was now about me extending that invitation to faith in Jesus Christ to others. This is now not about me showing up to receive something. This is now me showing up to serve someone. Amen? Amen. That is the story of our faith. Why why have we been talking about breaking free? Because I believe it's to bring you to a point where you realize that you've actually been saved to do something now for Christ. We have been created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. I'm going to make a bold statement. Controversial statement, maybe. I actually believe we're saved by works. Some of you are like, that's heresy. I believe we're saved by works. I do. I believe we're saved by works, just not our own works. I believe, first of all, we're saved by the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross. We're saved because our Savior, even though he stood in a garden one evening and was sweating blood and didn't want to do it, it's argued that the greatest words ever Christ ever spoke were these words, nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. It's argued that the essence of those words are what give us the, the finished work of the cross and the empty tomb. The fact that Christ made it not about him, but made it about a world to save That's the essence of our faith. That's the essence of our salvation. First of all, we're saved because of the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross. But it also saved this. We're also saved by the works of others. Now, make no mistake. Our salvation comes from Christ alone. No one can boast. Amen? But here's my argument to you today. The vast majority of us were saved Because someone else set the stage for us to know Jesus. Think about this for a minute. Unless you got saved in a room all by yourself, and God is certainly able to do that. Unless that's your story. The vast majority of us were saved because someone else either set the environment, set the stage, created the moment. Extended the invitation, had the conversation, went to us. The works of someone else led to us coming to know Christ. Can, can you think back to your moment? Man, my, my life is rich with people who, who selflessly gave their lives in ministry and introduced me to Christ. I remember the, the youth leader that sat and prayed with me when I was 13 years old at a youth camp and came forward and said, I want to serve Christ with my life. I remember the, the children's pastor in that season who baptized me. I remember the leaders who spoke purpose over my life. I remember the leaders who, I, I, was, I was headed to a four-year university with a, with a full-ride scholarship, actually, And I remember a friend of mine who was a year ahead of me, he came to me and said, I think you're making a big mistake. There's a call of ministry on your life. I'm calling it out of you today. And I... I said no thank you, it was very painful, I said no thank you to my full-ride scholarship and redirected myself to a two-year-old no-name Bible school that ended up being the greatest decision of my life because someone else was brave enough to have that conversation. Do you see where I'm going with this today? Because of the works of other people, my faith story came alive in Christ. Because we are saved and we're brought out of darkness into light, but it's so that we can do good works which Christ Jesus prepared in advance for us to do and that same call of ministry that same invitation the one that Jesus extended to the disciples when he said come and follow me it wasn't just come follow me and you're going to be great Christians it was come follow me and I will make you fishers of men come follow me and we're about to turn the world upside down because you're, it's not going to be just about you. It's going to be about the work that you do for the kingdom of God. I guess when I, the conversation I wanted to have with us today is just one of ministry. Now, I was praying that as we shared the word today, did not come to impress you with a fancy title, fancy points. I came to share my deep love for the church I came to share with you my deep love for ministry. And I came to remind you that there's a call of God on your life. That there's a ministry uh, assignment on your life. There's gifting that has been placed on the inside of you. That is for the purpose of building the church. There's something that God has placed you on the earth to do. And life will not truly feel full. And life will not truly feel free. Until you access that call until you accept that assignment. that is honestly the point when life makes sense and so today I, I just wonder where you're at. I wonder where you're at in your service. I wonder where you're at in ministry. I, I hate the term full-time ministry by the way. I think we use that pastor Mitch to like refer to the church staff or the pastor or I hate the term, Full time ministry. I was unaware that there was a part time option to serve Jesus. You know, you, to be saved is to be in ministry. <laughs> That's how this thing works. Just so we, just so we know. So let, let me show you something else today. Um, let's jump over now to First Corinthians chapter four. First Corinthians chapter four. You know, what does this look like? I'm going to share with you. This has easily been one of the greatest scriptures I've ever been taught in my life, and I'm going to offer it to you today. 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 1. This is Paul writing to a different church. Now, this church is a little little more messy. (laughs) This church, the Corinth church, it kind of, they're a little sketchy, you could say. So, Dad, 1 Corinthians, Dad's kind of writing to clean up the house a little bit, kind of writing to set the house in order. Well, Dad's been away, things got out of line, so... Uh, When you hear this, what you got to read is Paul is saying, this is what sets the house in order. This is what sets our faith in order. So let's read 1 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 1. He says this, Let a man so consider us as servants of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. Servants of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. Moreover, it is required in stewards that one be found faithful. Okay, let's break this down. Paul is, first of all, referring to us as servants of Christ. There would be several words in the Greek that would be available to Paul for the word servant, and he chooses a very specific word. The word he chooses for the word servant would be the idea of a free man Or a free woman who voluntarily makes themselves low, kind of like as an under rower on the ship. In other words, not an indentured slave, not an indentured, someone who was forced to, but a free man. Come on, Breaking Free. Come on, City Hills. A free man, a free woman who voluntarily takes it upon themselves to get low and to serve and row to see the thing they're a part of move forward. And first of all, isn't that beautiful? Like, isn't that awesome? Uh, Doesn't that just, it lights me up on, I could spend the rest of my life doing that. Because of Christ and his great mercy, for the freedom he's bought for me, for the way he has blessed my family, for the way he's moved us forward, like I am so indebted and so grateful I could spend the rest of my life voluntarily making myself low, washing the feet of his church, serving his people, That, that would be enough in some ways. We're servants of Christ. But what I find so interesting and where I wanted to conclude today is this is that he doesn't stop there. That's not the final definition that he gives us. We're servants of Christ, but then he says this, and we're stewards of the mysteries of God. We're stewards of the mysteries of God. So what's a steward? Because we don't use that word very much. What's a steward? Well, a servant was an under rower a steward was an under leader or an under owner in other words a steward was someone that was entrusted by the master to manage the household the steward was the one put in charge of the household staff the household budget the household tasks to manage and to lead while the master was away. We see this in Matthew chapter 25, the parable of the talents. We see the master's away, and while the master's away, the the steward leads. And this is a picture of the church today. We have all been entrusted as stewards of the great mysteries of God. This is not just your pastor. Remember, this is written to the whole church. This is not just your pastor. This is not just the full-time staff or, you know, the one getting paid to be there. This is all of us. He's saying you are stewards of the mysteries of God. In other words, while King Jesus is away, while our master is away, we have been entrusted with a moment. We have been entrusted with management and leadership of the household. The question on a a steward's life, of course, is what are you going to do with what you have been given to do? Will you be found faithful with your moment to steward? That's the, the role of a, of a steward, the job of a, of a steward. Let me say it like this. How many of you know in life there's a difference between renting something and owning something? Let's just talk about this for a minute. 2021, we had a baby because COVID, oops, uh, shut down, shut down, oops, And at 40, we found ourselves unexpectedly pregnant. So the reinvention of our life began. By the way, side note, I don't think I've ever told you. We had just had a garage sale August of 2020, sold off the rest of the baby stuff. And we were pregnant in September. I was like, you got to be kidding me right now. That shows you our mindset, by the way. Anyways, therapy, right? I need therapy. I need help right now. Um, Where was I going with that? Oh, got it. So early 2021, my wife was like, I'm 40. We're going to do this one right. She's like, we were broke on the last one. We're not broke on this one. So we're going to do this one right. Go get us a new car. I said, yes, ma'am. So I went out and I got us a, a parent car, right? And, and you know, I, I like that car. I really enjoy it. Got, got the chance to drive a new car off the lot, right? You don't get that experience very often. I love the new car smell, You know, I I love, you know, you you take really good care of the car when it's new, right? I'm the guy with the unlimited car wash membership every single month. You know, I'm the guy with like food rules in the car, like no eating in dad's car. Uh, I'm the guy that polices the thing and details the trunk and all that. Why do I do that? Why do that? It's mine. I have to pay for it. <laughs> you know, I'm invested in it. I, I make a payment and it's mine. And, and I do it for my family. My family has to get in this car. You know, I don't, I don't want them in jail. Jo- I'm not trying to bring condemnation or the, you know, over the crushed goldfish crackers or something. I get it. We, we've had them too. I'm just saying, like, I, I have some pride about my car. Right? Like, I, I like my car. But I like it because I make a monthly payment and it's mine. <laughs> you know, I own it. I, I have to drive it every day. Okay, on this trip, I'm driving a rental car. Right now, I could care less about that rental car. I will take a speed bump at 100 miles an hour in that car and not give a rip about the car, right? Why? Why? It's not mine. It's, it's Alamo's problem. You know, if, if, if I, if I if, you know, get a flat tire, I sit on the side of the road, wait for them to come rescue me and give me a new car. You know, right? Like, it's, it's, it's not my problem. It's not my car, and uh, so therefore, I don't take the responsibility. We, we bought our first home, actually, a few years ago, and it was a new build, and uh, got opened a great opportunity for us to buy it, and you know you're a real homeowner when you pay your first plumber. Right? Like like just a few months ago we had a plumbing issue and I had to pay I, I had to write a check to my first plumber and I was like, I'm a real homeowner now. That is the worst check you'll ever write is to a plumber, you know, right? Or like a I'm like, I I'm so I can't do anything around the house. So, you know, there it is. But the you know, it's like I, I have to pay for it. When I rented, you just call someone and this magic plumber fairy shows up. Right, And you don't pay anything, you, it's not your issue, it's not your toilet, not your deal. They have to come fix it because it's their problem. Here's my question to you. My question to you when it comes to the church, are you renting the vision of this house or do you own the vision of this house? Like, are you in? Do you, do you, do you own this? Or are you still kicking the tires and, and renting this thing? Because you can tell the difference. You know, when there's a need to be met, renters go, well, someone else will take care of it. It's pastor's problem. It's Brody and Julie's problem. It's, you know, you know it's, it's the... But when you're an owner and you see a need met, you say, no, this, this, is, this is my problem. Like, I, I, I'm an owner. I, I'm invested into this thing. I'm here. I want to see this thing move forward. I guess my question for you really is this your church? Or is this just the next best thing from the last church that you were a part of? Like, is this your church? Because if so, I actually want to call you higher today. I want to call you out of renting the vision and call you to owning the vision. And I want to, I can say that with authority because Christ loved us so much that he gave up his own life for us, that we are alive today in the mystery of God, Christ in us. We are servants of Christ. And look what it says. We are stewards of the mysteries of God. We are, are people that are committed to the idea of seeing the church move forward on our watch. That's what a steward does. I mean, think about it guys. Think about it. The worship team can come and uh, play me off like the Oscars, and it'll all be good. The vegetables are almost over, I promise. Um, But this is the church. This is our story. For the last 2,000 years, this is what the men and women of God have been doing. It's so important in our very privileged and comfortable American free context that we remember where the gospel came from, that we remember the story of the church because today i don't say this to bring shame but there are people today that will give their lives doing the very acts that we get to do in freedom there are people staff that do for free and give their lives what we get paid to do I'm not saying that to shame us cuz there's there's um there's, None of that means anything more important than the other. It does mean, though, to whom much is given, much is required. You know, when you receive recognition or reward for your service here on earth, that that is your reward. I don't know about you, I'm not here to store up a bunch of reward here on earth. Like, I want to store up treasure in heaven. And so we got to have a whole lot going on. When we we minister from a privileged context, we got to do a whole lot more to see to it that we're storing up treasure in heaven and not just receiving our reward on earth. Anyways, I digress on that. I just wonder if you see that for the last 2,000 years, the church has been built on the most selfless and sacrificial men and women the world has ever known. Men and women who in their lifetime did anything they had to do to see the church move forward. One example I was just thinking about the other day is the woman who delivered the Book of Romans to Rome. It was—is her name Lydia? Believe it's believed she was a businesswoman. It's believed she personally funded the journey, the treacherous journey, to deliver the Book of Romans to Rome. You know, these letters didn't just get there, right? She gets very little scriptural real estate. She gets very little credit. But we have what's probably one of the central tenets of our faith, the book of Romans, because a businesswoman went all in on a dangerous journey, personally funded it. Do you see how beautiful the gospel is? And that same story has been repeated millions of times for the last 2000 years. Men and women who smuggled Bibles across borders, men and women who planted churches, Men and women who have served and built in churches. I've, I've never pastored a church. I don't intend to. I intend to spend the rest of my life holding my pastor's arms up. Men, men and women who have done that over the years, that is what the church has built. And for the last 2,000 years, that story has been unfolding. And guess what? The church is now here on our watch. This is our moment. We're servants of Christ. freemen. Free women who voluntarily make ourselves low to serve, but we're also stewards. We've been entrusted with something. City Hills, let me just say, you've been entrusted with a new building. You've been entrusted with a moment. You're growing right now. If you're new here, welcome. Sorry, this is kind of family talk today. I apologize, but I'm glad you're here. Like you've been entrusted with a moment. You've you've been given some talents here. You know, you've been. God's given us something. I just wonder, will you be found faithful with what God has given you to do? Will you embrace the idea that you were saved and brought out of darkness and into light, but it was for the purpose of good works? But God, God prepared in advance for you to do. I pray you receive that today. Stand to your feet with me if you would. I'm going to hold us just for a minute if there'd be no movement. I just sense that in this moment, God might be speaking. God might be stirring. Let me say one more thing and we'll pray. I think the danger of the last three years, one of the dangers, has been that because of the nature of things, the language of our culture focused everyone on themselves. You stay safe. Stay home. Take care of you. And in that... If you haven't noticed, our culture has developed a real aversion to work. <laughs> a real aversion to service. Why? Because everyone, we villainize work. We villainized hard work. Um, like it's it's the ultimate thing to stay home and take care of your four no more. But that's not who we are as God's people. That's not what we're saved and brought out of darkness and brought into light to do. We're not saved to take care of our four no more. This is where, as God's people, we have to be willing to be distinct. We have to be willing to stand out. We have to be willing to say, you know, we're we're on a different mission. We're about a higher calling. And, you know, I I reject the tenets of the self-care movement. I, I, like, I... I'm going to take care of my family. I'm going to lead my family well, but we're going to position our family to make as much of an impact for Jesus as we possibly can. Like, I'm just crazy enough to believe. I am, I literally believe this, that Pastor Mitch, Brandy, our ministry, I actually believe the church could be different because we existed. And that might be crazy faith, I don't know, but like, I'm just all in for it. And I just feel like um, there's something in you. So Jesus, right now, I just ask that you would Come. And right now in this moment, Jesus, I I ask that you would stir up the ministry calling and the ministry gift on the inside of each of us. I thank you, Jesus, we're brought out of darkness and we're brought into light. I thank you that we are your handiwork, created in Christ Jesus, to do good works, which God, which you, Jesus, you prepared in advance for us to do. And right now, Father, I pray if, if we've gotten away from that, if we've become apathetic about that, if we've backed off from that in some way, I pray, Jesus, you would call us higher today. Right now on the authority of your name, on the authority of your word, I pray that you'd stir up that gift on the inside of us today. Stir up that calling. New ideas, Father. New calling. If we've been distant from the church, if we've been removed from the church, call us home today, Jesus. I thank you, Father, that you're doing a new work in this house. And City Hills, would you join me in praying for your church? Father, right now we pray for this church. I thank you for this church. I thank you that you've established this church. I thank you that you're raising this church up, Father, for such a time as this. And Father, right now I ask that you would grace this church. I ask that you would provide for this church. I ask that you would protect this church by the power of your great name. I ask that you would meet every need. I pray that you would establish this work, Father. I pray that, that this church, that anything they put their hands to do, I pray that it would prosper and it would be successful in the name of Jesus. But we ask for none of that for us. I pray, Jesus, that everything that is done through this house, I pray that it would be for your glory. And it would be for your honor. We lay our crowns down at your feet. And we ask Jesus that you receive all the praise, all the honor, all the glory. This is not about building a big church. This is not about building a sexy church. This is not about building an Instagrammable church. God, it's about building your kingdom. It's about building your church. Seeing people, Father, brought from darkness to light, reconciled to you, Jesus. May you receive all the glory. May you receive all the honor, and may you do a work here, Father, that only you can do. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, and all God's people said a big amen, amen, amen. God bless you, City Hills. Thanks for having me today. Thank you for joining us today, and a special thanks to those of you who give generously to this ministry. You know, it's because of you that we're able not only to bring this message to you, but we're able to offer hope and life to the San Antonio Hill Country and beyond, So if you'd like to give today, you can visit CityHillsTX.com right now. And if this message blessed you, why don't you click subscribe or share this message with your friends uh, on your socials. I pray it's a blessing to others in your world. Thanks again for listening today. God bless you.